We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please! Help! Yeah. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Is For Podcast. I am your host, Danger, and uh, I am here with my two other hosts. They're not monsters or monsters. They are, uh, there is a monster here, but Sarge, say hi. Hey, I am back from vacation. He is back from vacation. He is refreshed and relaxed. Uh, he caught a hat and he went fishing. He's not wearing it, but monster. <laughs> Yes. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Hello. Uh, I'm not back from vacation. My whole life is a vacation and just uh, happy to be here. Here I was the one thinking that uh, I was going to miss some uh, cues here, but nope, Monster took the cake on that one. Well, you got like a fresh back from vacation over here, cotton blah, blah. Monster. Monster what? I did not say he was back from vacation. He inserted that information into things himself. So I guess we're going to talk about things that we're doing. And tonight I am wearing a black shirt with red writing. (laughs) Nailed it. So, all right. Tonight on the is for podcast, we have made it to the letter M and M is for monsters. Yes. Yep. Now, I guess uh, since we're doing Munster, we're going to ask Monster, what is his experience with the show? So obviously a little bit before my time, but checks off a lot of the boxes of the things that I like and love. Just a little bit. A little, yeah. But no, I love the character designs. I love the slapstick comedy. I like a lot of other shows from that era, like the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff. So I'm familiar with that kind of era of television those kind of aesthetics, the creepy creature effects and stuff, right up my alley. I, I really, really like it. Matter of fact, I bought my dad the complete series on DVD a couple years ago for a special occasion. And oh, yeah, it's it's a good one. I've always really enjoyed it. And uh, Sarge, please enlighten us with your monster history. All right. Well, I mean, I've seen a few episodes. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a monster fanatic i mean i do like the stories the the life lessons i should say that these episodes you know got into on occasion but to me it was a ripoff of adam's family because adam's family came first and and, and mind you hold on on, before monster loses his (laughs) mind let me let me finish my thought here growing up i used to watch television on VHS tapes because we mostly lived overseas. So if I wanted to watch American television, my grandfather had to record them and mail them to us. I fell in love with the Adams family and it's black and white aesthetic. So when they were like the Munsters is kind of like, you know, the black and white aesthetic of, of the Adams family. I was like, cool. And I watched it and I was like, no, no, it's not. So yes, there's a little bit of Munster hate and I don't care if Monster likes it or not. Oh, monster hate is, uh, yeah, just bring it. I personally don't have a lot of fondness to the monsters. I, like you, Sarge, was a lot more fond of the Adams family. And I think actually part of that was, it, it wasn't so much the, the, the TV show, you know, for, for us, I feel like it would have been 
Nick at Night exposure of these things. So for me, it was more of the Addams Family movie. And there hasn't been a Munsters movie that hit on any sort of, you know, I, I didn't I didn't like any of the ones that I saw. I like the show just fine, but we're going to talk about the movies as we go through this, especially that upcoming one. Yeah. <laughs> I've got thoughts. I do too, and they have changed. I, I had thoughts when I first saw the trailer, and I have new thoughts now that I've, I've had time to think about it. But just, it, just to defend the Munsters for a second, because both you guys said you kind of preferred Adam's family to the Munsters, and I can definitely see why. But for me, especially when it comes to the style of humor, specifically Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster, his big, goofy, slapstick style of comedy... That's way more up my alley than than anything on the Adams family. I felt like the pacing of the Munsters was more for me than the Adams family. I like the it's a little zanier and a little bit more slapstick, which I I prefer to the Adams family. I mean, I I get that. I mean, I've as an adult, I like slapstick humor more. It didn't quite stick for me. But there are things within the monsters that I have always, always liked ideas within the monsters. And, you know, it's, it was a show that existed and now we have it. Those are facts. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been a blatant ripoff of the Adams family, because mind you, Adams family aired first monsters aired after the Adams family did. So in my opinion, it's, it's a direct ripoff. We will get into the timeline. Okay, thank you. Thank you. The chicken or the Adams family. <laughs> we'll, we'll get through all of that stuff. But we're going to talk about all the different incarnations and whatnot of it, the reboots and what's you know what what's come about. But first we have to talk about the foundation of the Munsters. So the Munsters was actually originally created. I said actually like it was debated before, but it's created by Alan Burns and Chris Hayward. The opening theme, can anybody guess what the opening theme to the Munsters was called? Music. You are not far off from the basic principle of it, but it's called the Munsters theme. (laughs) (laughs) So it was composed by old Jack Marshall, and uh, there's actually a sample of the guitar riff that was used in fallout boys, Uma Thurman. So oh, yeah, never knew that. I've heard that song a million times. Never knew that that was a riff from it. It's like the main riff of the song. You never noticed that. Really? I didn't know it was from the monsters. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And I didn't watch a lot of monsters growing up. Okay. Even my non music loving ass <laughs> knew that be ashamed, be ashamed. I have much more to be ashamed about than not knowing that. He's got a point. He's got a point. It's a dark, dark CD past. Please continue, Danger. <laughs> like like the Adams Family, it ran for two seasons of the show. They had, you know, many other things that happened, but ran from September 24th, 1964 to May 12th, 1966. So, hmm. you know, it was a sitcom just about monsters, basically. I mean, it's, you know... About monsters. No, no, no. M- monsters called <laughs> with the last name Munsters. 
And I, for one, am sorely disappointed that I could not find anything about a cheese advertiser, somebody, a cheese company that was Munster Cheese. Yeah. All right. As you mentioned before, Fred Gwynn played the head of the household, Herman Munster, and he was modeled after Frankenstein's monster. Not Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. a common that. mistake. Yeah. means a lot to me that you would correct and get that right. Thank you. Yeah. According to uh, Herman's driver's license in the show, his date of birth is 6-21-1815, making him 150 years old. I, I don't know why they would have put that on a license at the DMV, because they probably would have been like, yeah, no. Uh, so Herman Munster was ranked number 19 in TV Guide's list of 50 greatest TV dads of all time. So he actually played two roles on the show, Herman Munster and his twin brother charlie woo big big twist <laughs> i love it when they do that like yeah. remember on urkel whenever uh Baby he would urkel. play his yes <laughs> um and his twin brother was the reject creation of dr frankenstein named johan so fred gwen fred gwen wore a foam rubber padding suit underneath his costume and it actually created so much heat that he was like he lost weight during shooting the show because he just sweat all the time. And then mm -hmm. he'd actually have a, uh, a, an assistant shoot a air compressor up his sleeve <laughs> to give him air because he couldn't take the costume off, you know, between takes and all. So Fred Gwynn originally did his own stunt work on the show until, you know, his whole thing. He was a bumbling guy, you know, clumsy and whatnot, too big for, for life. As, as you know, Sarge, you and I understand that the world is not built for people of our height. So No, it is not. No. Kitchen counters, just come up a little bit higher. Just give me, give me that, builders. So, so slightly off topic, slightly off topic with kitchen counters and tall people. The rental house that we stayed in for the beach was not built for tall people. And, like, brushing my teeth was the hardest thing. Like, I had to bend over at the waist just to brush my teeth. And I've realized how, oh, yeah, way too small. It was like, hit me right in the chest instead of in the head. I'd like squat down to wash my hair. It was crazy. To wash your hair, you have to play limbo. <laughs> so, Thanks right, for tuning that. in to this week's episode of First World Problems. We are your hosts. <laughs> it's a body issue. It's a, you know, I'm too tall for this world. Yeah, that's fair. In one of his stunts, he fell on his back and... Uh, hit his head and actually knocked himself out. And after that, oh. the studio was like, yeah, nope, no more. <laughs> no more. They wanted to get a stunt double. And so he actually met Fred, or excuse me, Bill Foster on Universal Studios Backlot and all. He was actually a security guard and they started playing music together because Fred Gwen also played music. And then he was like, hey, you're about my size. I need you to be my stunt double. And he took a job. So that was his foray into show business. And John Carradine, old David Carradine's dad, was actually oh, yeah. was offered the role but turned it down. Couldn't really find an exact reason as to why he turned it down. I just know that he he didn't take it. So, well, John Carradine was in a lot of those old Universal monster films and stuff. And from what I've seen of his of the films that he's been in, I think he took himself a little bit too seriously to play a character like that. Like I think they went after him because he was in a lot of those universal monster b pictures but he always played like a dracula type or 
something that was a little more stoic and well-spoken. Herman Munster we'll might have been a little bit too silly. Yeah, we'll talk more about John Carradine here in just a bit. And okay. About that part of things. No thunder stolen this time. Okay. Okay, good, good. Yvonne DiCarlo played Lily, his wife. She wasn't sure about accepting the role of Lily Munster uh, when she did and was asked why she took the role. She did it because she needed the money. Wasn't her husband like in a real bad, she was like an actor and a stuntman and was like in a real bad, well, it was in a real bad accident or something like that. And she needed the money. I mean, the only reason why I know, it, know that is because she was, she's hot. She was hot. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I can't agree. She was an attractive woman, but eh. she has that. She has that. Um, what's the quality? It's a, uh, she has like that played down quality about her. Like, like you would look at her and not really think anything about it until she like let her hair down some of her other movies. So my opinion, I think she's a lot more attractive than Lily Munster makes her out to be. Like if you steer without the Lily Munster costume mm -hmm. on, it's like, she has a much more of that like um, classic Audrey Hepburn style of beauty. I was going to say Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, so yeah. You're, so you're saying that a woman is more attractive when she's not made up to look dead? That's what the average that's person your words, would say. Not mine. I mean, that's your. That's words, not, not what mine. Monster here would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after the initial pilot was filmed, CBS execs insisted on recasting her but both fred gwen and al lewis that played grandpa completely protested the uh, the whole notion of recasting and uh you know or excuse me they completely protested recasting it to include yvonne de carlo thinking that she would have a uh, a whole attitude diva about being a previous actress in hollywood and whatnot and then she got knocked down a peg after filming a bit but uh, they actually found that she was a wonderful actress with perfect comedic timing that was you know needed at least for the show so yeah she she plays off um fred gwynn very well as almost like the straight man between the two yep. it works well and so al lewis you know grandpa you know old vampire which to me is was kind of funny because he wasn't bitten or turned into a vampire from what i could find he actually as an old man he was turned into a vampire as a young man but then he aged he also does like magic right a lot of the episodes in around him like casting spells and stuff yeah he the, in one episode he's actually seen looking in a mirror which was played for comedy effect on the show but everything that i saw about that online was just going uh, there were many bullshit moments in the show, and that was glaringly one of them. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, when, st when stuff like that would happen, I mean, you, you have to remember, like, back in the 60s, this was, what, 66, 60, 64 to 66? And in and, and, and that time frame, the 1960s. Uh, I'm about right. 66, yeah. A lot of people didn't have that, like, go to the movies mentality. A lot of people didn't really catch on to, like, all the premise behind the, the B-rated monster flicks and stuff like that. And I say B-rated respectfully, monster, don't no, lose you're your correct. shit. No, you're correct. You know? No, you're correct. A lot of people went for the scare factor, not the lore. And I don't think it was until later on in life, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even in the early 2000s, that people were, like, really getting into the continuity of things, where things have to line up. 
Well, plus you got to think, you know, back in those days, people didn't have DVDs and VHS and streaming and all that kind of stuff. So you went to the theater and you saw this movie about a vampire or, a, you know, a mummy or whatever it is. You don't necessarily go back and revisit that several times and get to like, like you said, understand the lore and the continuity. It's just kind of like, oh, grandpa looks like a vampire. Good enough. You know, yep. Herman Munster kind of looks like Frankenstein's monster. Good enough. They don't have to like go through like, well, was he created the same way the Frankenstein monster was? Only nerds like me get into that kind of shit now. <laughs> so Grandpa Monster is actually, or Grandpa Munster, excuse me. It's actually incorrect because uh, he's Lily's father and his surname is Dracula. Grandpa Munster would refer to Herman's never seen adoptive father. Just the layout of the family structure and what they call each other is a little bit off. So Al Lewis actually went through a few changes in his makeup during production. One of which, if you actually look in the early episodes, he has a longer prosthetic nose and they changed it because he kept getting it wet in cups of coffee when he was drinking. <laughs> so a little side note, getting ready, kind of prepping for this episode. I was just going to like watch a couple of clips and kind of refresh my memory on, on a couple of things. And uh, my three-year-old little girl was in the room while I was watching it. And as soon as I turned it on, it was a scene with Grandpa and Herman, like, sitting talking. And she immediately started to point and giggle. Like, she thought it was so funny. But as I was skipping around, just like, you know, this clip from this episode, this clip from that episode, you could see Grandpa's face, his mustache and his, his nose would change, like, every couple of scenes because of, like you just said. Like you were saying, Sarge, people didn't really pay attention to the continuity. Right. <laughs> In addition to his nose, he was reworked from a vampire into more of a mad scientist character. And so mm -hmm. that leads into what you were saying, Monster, that he did magic and stuff. But he was always experimenting and playing with things there in the house in his, his laboratory that was eventually built. So Beverly Owen, as Marilyn Monster, later replaced by Pat Priest. And if you guys remember, she was the normal-looking one of the family that was always a joke to the family because they always said that she was the hideous one, the ugly one. And, you know, right. So, but she was seen to the outside world as the, the prettiest girl in town. Beverly Owen actually played the part of Marilyn for the first 13 episodes. And she actually was struggling with the fact that her fiance was in New York and this was in LA. And so after 13 episodes of her crying between takes and longing for her boyfriend or fiance, uh, <laughs> she eventually took off and was replaced by Pat Priest, who looked like Beverly Owen, and viewers never questioned it. <laughs> so, today, you couldn't just replace a, an actress. I mean, I think the last time we saw that was Becky on Roseanne, where they replaced the Beckys, and Sarah Chalk took mm. her place. You know, I know in the, the reboot of Roseanne, before it became the Connors, uh, Sarah Chalk had a bit part as somebody else in the show not becky the original came back to that so for the first 13 episodes where beverly owen was there fred gwynn appeared in the uh, last opening credits uh, it appeared last in the opening credits if you actually you know watch their order and all when owen left the show the sequence had to be reshot the only real difference to things is gwynn is there in the front so it was within that hmm. 13 episodes that he actually 
established himself as the major player of things, and the studio actually decided to shift him in order. So, Butch Patrick as uh, Eddie, the werewolf. Eddie's full name, and it's only said once on the show, Edward Wolfgang Munster. So. Okay. So I actually watched part of the episode where that is spoken. He gets a hold of this um, potion that Grandpa made that makes him grow this great big beard. And so Herman takes him to the doctor. And when he asks him what's his son's name, and he says Wolfgang as his middle name, and then he takes the bag off of his head and you see the great big beard, it actually looks shockingly like your beard, Danger. It almost like verbatim length color everything except just on a 12 year old boy well, which also sort of looks like you so well well now's the time to tell you guys i'm uh i'm transitioning into a werewolf it's happening now Very oh i thought you were gonna say you were transitioning into a 12 year old boy thank god you didn't say that i'm transitioning into a 12 year old werewolf that's what it is that makes sense because that's seven times 12. Okay, go ahead. Bill Mummy, who was uh, later Will Robinson in Lost in Space, was actually the original choice for Eddie, but his parents didn't approve of the makeup, the extensive makeup and all. But then after the show became a hit, they tried to get him in and actually got him in for a guest spot in one of the episodes. Eddie's stuffed wolf in the show in the German dubbed version. So in the show, his name is uh, Wolf Wolf. In the German dubbed show, it's Wumpy Puppy. <laughs> Actually, Monster, going back to our Friday the 13th <laughs> episode where Jason that jumps out had the first Jason band. Yes. Yeah. So Butch Patrick actually started a band and uh, made a record uh, called The Munsters and with the hit song, Whatever Happened to Eddie? <laughs> and <laughs> then they later changed their name to Eddie and the Monsters, not Munsters, Monsters in that case. So, yeah, you, you have these kids from these old shows that, you know, started bands just to hold on to that fame a little bit longer. I, if I start another band, I mean, Wumpy Puppy might be the name. That is a, that's a good name. I like that. That would be the name of, like, a drugged out drummer. The, the Wumpy Puppy would be the name of the drummer? I love to call him that Wumpy Puppy. Who's on drums? Wumpy Puppy. I would think the drummer of Wumpy Puppy would be on drugs. Like, I think that's... <laughs> I think that's everybody in that band would be on drugs. It, it'd be hard to, to do it sober. That's for sure. I think it would be hard to seriously take the stage as a band called Wumpy Puppy. <laughs> Look, I've, I've been playing music for like 30 years. It wouldn't be the weirdest band I've ever stepped on stage with. <laughs> so, Grandpa that was played by Al Lewis, that was born in 1923, was one year younger than Lily, played by Yvonne DiCarlo, Born in twenty. Wow! And Herman was the youngest adult. Born. Fred Gwynn was born in nineteen twenty-six. <laughs> so, wow, that's crazy. Completely out of order. All right. The show was produced by the creators of Leave It to Beaver. Uh, the Muster House first appeared in an episode of Leave It, Leave It to Beaver. The series was a satire on American suburban life. So it's basically Leave It to Beaver, but monsters. You know, it really shown a light on the wholesome family fair of the era, you know, in TV at least. Talking about the Adams Family. The show's rival series, Adams Family, both debuted within a week of each other in September of 1964. So can't really say one came first 
Which one aired first? Which one aired first? It doesn't matter. They were being recorded and produced at the exact same Which time. Which one aired first? All the NASCAR cars start at the same time, but there's only one winner. So, which one aired first? That's the worst analogy I've ever heard. It, it's the situation. <laughs> you know, all the Olympic runners start at the same time, but there's only one gold medalist. So, so what you're saying is the person that's in last place is looking at the one in the first place going, I'm going to copy what they're doing so I can win. Yeah, running, yeah. driving, turning left. <laughs> going forward. Okay, so the Adams Family aired first by three days. Yeah, three days. <laughs> I know the monsters is such a ripoff. <laughs> the monsters ranked at their peak. They ranked 18 in the Nelsons with a rating of 24.7. The Adams nice. family at their peak ranked 23 with 23.9. Yes. <laughs> we're uh, number one. Yeah. So they both started like within the same week and they were both canceled in the same week. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, 70 episodes were made. So I believe Adam's family had 65. I can't remember now. Um, I didn't look back at my notes on that. It was actually an odd number, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. So the show was canceled when Batman came out and it took a, and it took a dive in ratings. It just, it tanked. Mm -hmm. So Butch Patrick said, I think Batman was to blame. Batman just came along and took our ratings away. So all of the cast, all of the, the, everybody. That involved in the show, blame Batman on that one. I have a question. Do you think it has something to do with color versus black and white? Uh, no, I don't. No? Okay. Because Batman was color, and it was very vivid, and it was very brightly colored. And I almost wonder if, because I know the monsters did do some things in color, but I almost wonder, well, I don't know. I personally, and, and maybe it's just my nostalgic lenses. I like the black and white aesthetic, but like when I was showing it to my, my three-year-old today, the first couple minutes, she was like, Oh, this is fun, blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, I want to see a new one. And I was like, well, what do you mean by a new one? And then I realized she meant like, not in black and white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, I, I, I can't imagine the Batman pals and bams in black and white on the screen. Yeah. It wouldn't be great. Well, it was from black and white, wholesome, I'm not going to say wholesome, but black and white family driven narrative for the Munsters to action packed billionaire Bruce Wayne, playboy model, you know, sliding down a pole, changing into his bat uniform, slapping Joker around for a while. So it's a, it's a totally different genre and it's what people wanted at the time. What you, you, you can't use the phrase playboy model, especially talking about Batman. Why not? About Adam West. I mean, while, <laughs> while I love me some Adam West Batman, I wouldn't say playboy or model when it comes to Adam West. I especially wouldn't. No, 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 no. You can call him. You can call him a playboy and you can say he looks like a model. But when you say playboy model, that's something very specific that Adam West nor Batman ever was. I would say Bruce Wayne was a playboy. But he was not a playboy model. <laughs> no. I'm sorry I didn't put a comma in between those two words. Okay? You I apologize. One, you're the one person I know that actually announces comma. <laughs> and you didn't announce it between <laughs> playboy and model. Bruce Wayne, the playboy comma model. <laughs> 
So the Munsters found a, another burst of uh, audience success in syndication because that's all it's, it's run in since. So a spinoff series, several films, uh, one with a theatrical release and several more attempts to reboot it have happened all throughout the years. We will talk about those as we get along. Can't wait. Yeah. So the house they lived in was at 1313 Mockingbird Lane in the fictional city of Mockingbird Heights, which there were all sorts of things all throughout the show that just said or showed that it was in different cities, nothing specific. The two running gags that lasted through the entire series is, uh, you know, the whole thing about how they look odd and they think the world looks odd and the world thinks they look odd. So it's back and forth the whole time. Yay, funny gag. And that parts of the house would be you know, demolished and destroyed by Herman Munster being clumsy in his tantrums. And then the damage wouldn't last. The next episode would be fixed. Sometimes the next scene. Those were the two gags that lasted through the entire show. Other ones would pop up for a couple episodes, but then they would, uh, they would go along the way. So using a family of mostly supernatural creatures, the show... Uh, was able to satirize the family sitcom of the era, the well-meaning father, the nurturing mother, the eccentric live-in relative, which almost all those shows had, the naive teenager, and the precocious child. It's just a recipe for TV in the 50s and 60s. The, the show actually had a habit of making jokes and things that just did not age well. They made references to things at the time, Al Lewis, in an interview, explained, we can do a lot of satirical pointed things on society that you can't do in an ordinary show. And maybe they shouldn't have because, again, these things did not age well. In an exchange between Herman and Grandpa, um, Herman enters a room, finds his son, and asks, what smells good? And in a deadpan, Grandpa says, I cut myself shaving. <laughs> Grandpa was a, uh, was a, was a vampire. And then in another time, prior to attending a, uh, you know, uh, unglamorous gala, Herman says, uh, Lily, I feel terribly conspicuously dressed the way we are for such a shabby place. Uh, without a hint of irony, Lily replies, well, let's hope it'll be nicer inside and not one of those beatnik joints. If there's anything I can't stand, it's weird people. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but like that's the kind of stuff that I think is funny. Like I I like that. Like I understand references like beatniks and whatever is a bit dated, but that kind of like play on what they look like versus how society views them, which is I mean the Adams family was the same gag the entire time. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't know. I I I find that fun. I like that. So misogyny at the time was encapsulated in the show with certain, certain things. So Herman meets a stranger and he said, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Herman Munster and my family is in the iron and steel business. My wife irons and my father steals. So, <laughs> you know, basically may have, it should have basically just said like, we're in the heating and food business. My wife cooks and I have hot air. Okay. What? Okay, so this is an auditory medium. People can't see us, but for the record, 
Steven looks like he's about to fall asleep. Casey looks like these jokes are pissing him off, and I am giggling hysterically. Okay, this is awesome. What the hell is wrong with okay. y'all? I love Number this Number one, <laughs> I'm not about to fall asleep. Let's just let's just make that abundantly clear. Granted, yeah. I've been up since 3 a.m. I am not ready to fall asleep quite yet. What I'm doing is I'm listening to this, and I'm trying my damnedest to keep an open mind while, <laughs> while tempering my monster hate. Every time I hear monsters and Adam's family in the same sentence, my blood pressure probably jumps like 15 points. Let's see if we can make his head explode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on all of that and just the, the where the show sat in history. So Lewis also said, philosophically, the format is that in spite of the way people look at you physically underneath, there's a heart of gold. The monsters reflected changes in social attitudes during the civil rights era. And in 2020 speech, Herman makes fun of Eddie. In the 1965 episode, Eddie's Nickname. The lesson I want you all to learn is that it doesn't matter what you look like, whether you are tall or short, or fat or thin, or ugly or handsome, like your father. You can be black or yellow or white. It doesn't matter. What matters is the size of your heart and the strength of your character. Aw, thanks, Herman. Literally, a lot of people's... uh, When that that came out, what, in... um, What year did that come out? That was 1965. Yeah. And it just recently like made its way on the social media within the past few years. And that is probably a lot of people's first foray or first mention of the Munsters. So I think that's pretty good. It still holds true today. And and I will say that I think, again, for for the people that have never watched the the show and, and don't really have a general idea of how this works when you think of this great big goofy slapstick oriented herman munster character saying things like this you you might feel a certain kind of way but when you actually watch the way fred gwynn plays this character he genuinely exudes emotion like even when he is in all that makeup, and he is a bumbling fool, it's kind of like Homer Simpson, where he has these flashes of genuine good dad stuff. And I think that when you picture the aesthetic of what he looks like with what you just said, it seems ridiculous. But when you actually, like, strip that away and you hear Fred Gwynn's voice, like, if if he didn't have all the prosthetics on and was just him talking... It would be like sage advice from that wise old man down the street. Like, I, I think Fred Gwynn is is a treasure. And I think that part of the strength of the Munsters is him playing Herman Munster, for sure. Well, it really was a show that was cast wonderfully. I mean, all the people that were cast in the show played the characters the way they should be played. Even, you know, the the change between Pat Priest you know, with Marion, you know, or Marilyn, you know, they're, 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 it's still. All right. The costumes and appearances of the family were based on the classic Universal monsters. They were able to do so because Universal owned the makeup design and they produced the monsters. The series was credited to Bud Westmore, who pioneered many of the other makeup effects and designs for the Universal monster movies. So, you know, this is just a continuation of all of your monsters, monster. 
Love it. Yeah. So because of that, they did eventually uh, were able to talk John Carradine coming back as a guest, and he was uh, Herman's boss, Mr. Gateman. He appeared in two episodes, but he was famous outside of the Monster Universe because he was used in a lot of other monster movies. He played Dr. Frankenstein, Count Dracula, and other ones all throughout the Universal monster movies. You know, and here's the thing is I like him as an actor, but the roles that he was coming in and playing had already been established kind of iconically that he was kind of dealt a, a tough hand to live up to. Yeah. He does a he does a great job in those films, and I know y'all don't nerd over those those ridiculous movies like I do, but it is cool, you know, seeing him and then also knowing kind of the longevity of his family name, you know. The whole reason for the show being shot in black and white after the color pilot was uh, the studio wanted to save money. They were able to save $10,000 an episode by shooting in black and white. Plain and simple. Well, there you go. And it helped them do that, especially considering that the show was initially pitched as a cartoon. Uh, according to Burns, and this is for you, Sarge, we sort of stole the idea from Charles Adams and his New Yorker cartoons because Universal owned the Frankenstein character and the Dracula character for movie rights. They decided to take their characters instead of characters we had written. I know that you say that the Munsters was a ripoff of the Adams family, but through digging into it, I, I'm, I've been in your camp my entire life, but after doing the research into it, I think that the Addams Family was a ripoff of, uh, of of the Monsters because the Addams Family was making monsters, or Charles Adams was making monsters into a family, whereas Universal had the monsters and then had this TV show that was pitched to them in the 40s. And it took them that long to make it? Well, the truth shall set you free. No truth in that. So the idea of a comedy monster family show was pitched to universal in 1943 and then it took into 1945 for it to be developed into a cartoon you know fully fleshed out and they were still figuring out how to do that kind of stuff at that point but it didn't take off until until 1963 it kind of sat on a shelf for a while yes okay so i think i have a slight theory behind that because when these the universal monster movies first started coming out in the late 20s and early 30s they were quote unquote scary you know the original dracula the original frankenstein the original phantom of the opera these were not played for any sort of lightheartedness it was strictly horror and as the movies progressed and you got into part threes and part fours you started getting the monster mash films and then you started getting the abbott and costello meat films and that's whenever they started to inject a lot of humor into their monsters and i think that once those started to take off like in the 50s is when they realized okay this might actually work like because i think by the, the late 50s early 60s tv was really starting to skyrocket in popularity more people had televisions in their homes and i think that that's when universal said okay what if we did take this and run with it I don't think it would have worked in the early 40s because people were still 
as silly as it sounds by today's standards, we're still scared by these things. But by the 50s and 60s, they were starting to see the appeal of them in more of just a fun way as opposed to a horrific way. So the show actually had three different pilots. In 1964, they had My Fair Munster, and it was Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis kind of had a, uh, a a bit of a little boys club because they actually had just filmed Car 54, Where Are You? And the other actors kind of felt like they weren't really welcome in the little, little boys club. But the first pilot didn't catch. The second pilot aired in April of 64 and with uh, Yvonne DiCarlo. And that one didn't really, didn't really catch. But then a third pilot... <laughs> a, Third pilot. Usually the plane would have crashed by now and they would have been dead. But this was the 60s. You were given many chances. So uh, they ordered a fourth pilot to actually replace Eddie, who was a different actor in the beginning. He was a bit brattier. And so they replaced him to be less bratty. Let's jump on into the sets of the show. Sarge, in our E.T. episode from season one, we actually talked about how the, the houses have been seen in different places from mm-hmm. each neighborhood. And we see a little bit of that here. So the Musher's home was the stylized Victorian house. And the inside, the interiors of the Munsters mansion were actually filmed on a soundstage. You know, in every episode, riddled with dust, smoke, cobwebs were created for the, uh, for the show. And one of the running gags that lasted for, you know, parts of the show, but not the entire thing, was that when Lily dusted the house, her uh, Electrolux, emitted clouds of dust, then returning it onto things and keeping the house dusty. So, the exterior of the house was originally built for the movie So Goes My Love in 1946. After the the show was finished, the sets were broken down, put into storage, and then reassembled. And uh, the the houses were used in several different places, several different movie shows, backgrounds, and whatnot. But it was... The same home from the 1979 show Shirley on NBC. Not familiar with it. But it was also used in Coach. Watched a lot of Coach with my dad when I was a kid. And mm-hmm, it was also mm-hmm. used in Desperate Housewives. Ooh, good show. Good show. Desperate Housewives? Yes. My parents loved it, which would make sense with Sarge's age. I'm, ooh. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, when you're deployed and there's a show called Desperate Housewives that you can get on DVD... It's a good show. Just Were saying. you disappointed when you put the first DVD in? No. No. We actually, like... This isn't what the, I expected. Who is the scantily clad woman on the screen? Well. <laughs> so, now you know. So Kenneth Strickfadden, uh, he was a special effects technician. He designed Grandpa's laboratory and also described, or described, designed... Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory in the 1931 Frankenstein and his lab actually shares some of the same props from the original 1931 Frankenstein. That's awesome. And in the fourth episode, Lily buys a hot rod and a hearse. Do you remember the name of the car that she built? Dragula. It's actually called the Monster Coach. (laughs) Damn it all to hell. But also referred to as Dragula. Okay, thank so, you. Yeah. There was only one Dragula built for the show, and at one time it actually hung from the ceiling in Planet Hollywood in Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah. 
and it only appeared in one episode. It was designed by Tom Daniel and built by George Barris, who <laughs> also built the 1966 Batmobile. <laughs> so he built the car for the show that ended up killing this show. Was there ever a crossover with Batman and the Munsters? Not that I found. You think that sounds ridiculous, but back in those days, they used to do that kind of crap all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't feel like the actors that blamed the show, that blamed Batman, would have been all for, you know, being in one of the episodes. So it was actually built from a real coffin using it. It wasn't, you know, a prop. <laughs> and again, it was only used in the first season episode, Hot Rod Herman. And it was in the end credits for every episode of the second season. So that's why it ended up gaining popularity and whatnot. Yeah. We know that it had two seasons, then it was canceled. It had a Easter special, and it bombed. <laughs> it didn't do well. It was at the very end of the uh, the first season. It came out on April 18th, 1965, and the whole premise of it was the family goes to Palos Verdes, California, to get a new pet for Eddie. The entire thing was shot on videotape and was said to be like found footage. I didn't even bother looking up a clip of it. Aired just once on CBS. Got such low ratings. Never aired it again. And it was thought to be lost until a copy was donated to the Paley Center in 1997. Then the show entered syndication in the 90s. It aired on Nick at Night and TV Land. And then it actually aired until 2008. In 2011, uh, the Cartoon Network's sister channel, Boomerang, actually picked it up and ran it for October along with the Adams family. So paired them up together. Canceled it's a real together. good one two punch. They were canceled together. They got a revival together. Uh, all right. The Munsters today. One of the revitalizations of it came out in 1988, ended in 1991. Three seasons. That was it. So one more than the original. Was that live action or was that animated? It was live action. Oh, okay. It was pitched as a revival. All new cast, same, you know, characters and all. The only thing about it was that it had uh, guest stars all throughout it. Some of them are Dustin Diamond from uh, Saved by the Bell, Jaja Gabor, Pat Morita, and Don Most. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So it was created following a failed attempt to revive the show with most of the original cast in 81 uh, called uh, The Munsters Revenge, straight-to-TV movie, telefilm, if you will. The biggest thing about it was it explained... 22 year gap and it was basically pitched as grandpa was testing out new stuff for people to sleep you know to reverse aging and ended up having an accident and they woke up in 1988 so then they were a family of monsters out of time the series lasted for three seasons in syndication found more popularity overseas in the uk and uh that was it for that show just that was it got another revival in 2012 Produced by Brian Singer. It was a much, you know, a darker um, mm -hmm. reboot, if you will. All right. I want to read through plot synopsis of it because there was a couple parts that I did find entertaining. The Munsters are the Munsters. Herman resembles a lot more Frankenstein. Lily, more vampire. The biggest change to the characters is that Eddie is unaware he's transitioning to a vampire. So the Munsters move to... 1313 Mockingbird Lane after Eddie attacks his wildlife explorer scout troop and uh, after he turns to a werewolf. 
Eddie thinks that it happened as a bear attack. Grandpa and Marilyn both uh, went to tell him of his true nature, but Herman and Lily want to wait. Eddie thinks there's something wrong with himself and fears being a carnivorous monster like his grandfather and monster. Or, excuse me, and mother. <laughs> so, basically, the whole premise of this was to then start evaluating things deeper within the family than just the family out of place. So I'm looking at this right now on IMDb, and, and it's not called The Munsters. It's called Mockingbird Lane. A dark reimagining. It's, oh, my God. It, okay, so I know I've expressed this problem on some some previous episodes where they do the gritty reboot of a, like, children's or family-friendly kind of thing, and that is exactly what's happening here, and this looks awful. Oh, this yeah. looks absolutely atrocious. Say what you want, like, to, to Sarge's point, he prefers Adam's family to the Munsters. At least the Munsters had cool sets and funny costumes and, like, a weird aesthetic. This is just, like, above-average-looking white people being above-average-looking with a creepy name. Like, this is garbage. This is the stuff that I hate exists. Jerry O'Connell is Herman Munster, Portia as Lily... Charity Wakefield as Marilyn, Mason Cook as Eddie, and Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. Get out of here. I had no idea this existed. I've never seen an episode, and I'm mad at you for bringing it into my life. So now to torture Monster next time, I'm going to make sure I play this on my television while he's over. Oh, I'm going to watch the shit out of it just to make myself angry. <laughs> just to feel something, you're going you're gonna to expose yourself. Um. All right. NBC chief Robert Greenblatt decided to pass on the series. After a couple episodes, I think, were filmed, they just, they passed on it. Uh, the Everything I could find about this show was, it was bad. So he said, we just decided that it didn't hold together well enough to yield a series. It looked beautiful and original and creative, but it all just ultimately didn't come together. It just didn't ultimately creatively work. We felt great about the cast. I'm sorry. I don't think anybody needs to ever feel great about a cast that includes Jerry O'Connell, but that's just not only includes Jerry O'Connell, but Jerry O'Connell is your lead. He yeah. is the main guy. Yeah. So he said, it's hard to celebrate how much weirdness versus supernatural versus family story. I just think we didn't get the right mix. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> Now, there is a, a TV show that's actually being written. I could not find much information about it, but Seth Meyers is actually developing a modern-day interpretation of the series for NBC. I, again, mm. I couldn't find much information on it. It would put them in Brooklyn. Mm. But, you know, I've seen stuff. I, I saw stuff going back and forth on whether or not it was actually going to be picked up. Now, let's, let's talk about... Yeah, I heard you. You know. Uh, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's talk about the movies. In 2004... It was announced that Keenan Ivory, Sean, and Marlon Wayans had made a deal to write and produce a modern-day movie of the Munsters, but not appear in it. And there was nothing else I could find about that. Wow, I never heard that. That would have been uh, interesting. Yeah. Did you say? Did you say one of the Wayans brothers? Keenan Ivory, Sean, all and of them. Yeah, not all of them. There's like twelve of them. Just three of them. That's I know. True. I've already said there's a lot of Wayans brothers, but a lot. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's talk about what Monster is salivating. To get at. <laughs> it's almost a fiendish look in his eyes. It is. It let's is. Talk about in 2001, Rob Zombie was hired 
to write and direct a Monsters movie. When's it scheduled to be released? September of this year. And also on Peacock. It's going to have yeah. a streaming release as well. In 2021, Zombie released a photo confirming some of the cast. Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman Munster, Sherry Moon, his wife, who's in every damn movie of his. And, of course. And Dan Roebuck as Grandpa. No mention of anybody else, none of the other characters that, you know, that were in the show. There was a family. <laughs> it was a family in the show. And that's one of the biggest issues I have with that trailer. Oh, that's the, that's the problem you have with the trailer? <laughs> that's one of the issues I have with the trailer. That is not the issue I have with it. Okay, so, okay. All right. Let's run through it real quick and then run through a few details on it real quick and then we'll we'll dive into the opinions on that. All right. It is going to have a theatrical release along with the streaming release on Peacock. We have Peacock, so I guess I will end up watching it. Uh, yeah. I don't feel good about my decision to do it, but I'm going to. No, don't, don't feel that way. I'm going to do it. So Zombie stated that he had pursued developing the film for many years, or 20 years, he actually said. And in 2021, he had an exact replica of the Mockingbird Lane mansion being built for the film. Began filming in Budapest, Hungary, but the Mockingbird Lane mansion isn't built in Budapest, Hungary. So I don't know how that's going to work. All right. Again, scheduled to be released this year. And Rob Zombie has actually said he will not make it R-rated. I believe it's going to be PG. And it is PG. Yep. Yeah. He said, for those of you speculating, wondering, and assuming that the monsters would be dirty, violent, and nasty, well, you're wrong. The film is rated PG. So, Yep. All right. Monster. Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Sarge. Have you, yes. What can I do for you? Have you seen the trailer? I have not seen the trailer. I have seen the steals for it, the pictures people have posted. I will say that the steals made me a little bit curious. I did a little bit of digging into it myself. And uh, there was an interview with uh, Rob Zombie about the show, about why the characters and the steals look so colorful, one might say. Bad, um, wrong. No, not necessarily. And and he said that he noticed when they were walking around on like in between takes and stuff like that, that it looked like they pulled out of a cartoon page, you know, out of a cartoon show. So he left it. I think he called it hype. Hypercolor, I think, as we said, it's like filmed in like hypercolor or some garbage like that. And I think for kids to introduce kids to this to this show being a PG 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 thirteen movie, I think it would be okay. Yeah, I think it would be okay as a PG movie. I don't think it's going to be okay as a movie. But go on, monster. Okay. Do I need popcorn for this? I I will try not to like ramble for thirty minutes. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you. Three minutes, no more than five. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Timer starting now. Go. When I first heard that Rob Zombie was going to reboot the monsters, I got really excited. And unlike a lot of other people, I actually assumed it would be PG. It would be family friendly because I know what Rob Zombie is known for. But Rob Zombie as you can go back and listen to our Z is for zombie episode. I have a mad respect for the guy, and I think he's way smarter and way more talented than people give him credit for. So when I heard he was doing the Monsters reboot, I got real excited. When I found out it was a movie and not a series, I got even more excited. When I saw the stills, my heart plummeted, and I was like, what the hell are you doing? But then I sort of spin a roller coaster. 
because when they first dropped the trailer, now I don't know if you guys, Sarge, you said you haven't seen it yet, and Danger, no, I, I don't not. know, if, I don't know if you noticed this, Danger, but when they first dropped the trailer, I don't know why, but it was like in 360p, it was blurry as all hell, and it was like, is this supposed to be the trailer? Like, I get that it's like supposed to look kind of cheap and it's supposed to look silly but it looked unfinished so i was like what am i looking at here like is this really what the film is going to be like well within hours they pulled that trailer and then re-uploaded the correct hd trailer now to sarge's point it is almost painful to the eyes the way the colors are it is exaggerated it is absurd the performances are exaggerated and absurd. And I'll be honest with you, I think it looks great. I get that it's going to be ridiculous. It's not made for us. It's not made for guys in their 30s who like horror movies. It's made for kids that may or may not have ever heard of the monsters, don't know what they're looking at. And it's just a zany, silly comedy with monsters in it. And as a dad who has kids that seem to have an affinity for kind of kooky, creepy, weird stuff, this is perfect. Like, I showed the trailer to my daughter today, who is three, and she loved it. She says she couldn't wait to watch the movie, and I can't wait to watch it with her. I think that this is going to be really, really good. Is it for us? Is it for this demographic? No. And I think it's going to get panned by critics, and I think that it's going to get a 4.8 on IMDb and people are going to say it's the worst thing they've ever seen. And I bet I'm going to have a lot of fun watching it there. I'm done. Rant over. Okay. I stayed under so, five. Thank you. I, I feel like the coloring of it, he cut open glow sticks and shook them all over Homer and Munster and pretty much. And all the microphones were down a hallway and uh, yeah, it just, I, I don't think it looks good. I was looking forward to zombies Munster's, and I just don't think it looks good. And the whole argument of it's not for us, it's for kids. I have a hard time subscribing to that argument because how many kids movies have come out that have also been appealing to us in some way. But it's not made to look like a modern Pixar film. Right. It's made yeah. to look like it was shot on the soundstage in the 60s. Like it looks cheap and it looks ridiculous. And maybe I'm giving Zombie more credit than he deserves. But I think it's done intentionally. I think he did it 100%, 100% intentionally. Now, fun side note. I just saw Rob Zombie in concert a few weeks ago. And it was a great time. It was a, a great show. Before the last song, which was Dragula, he showed the trailer for The Monsters. This crowd, I mean, there was probably about 18,000, 20,000 people there had been just going nuts all night long. When that trailer was over, it was the most tipid, like maybe 40% clapped. I mean, it was like you would have thought you were at a golf tournament all of a sudden. Like people didn't know what to do because I think people were like, oh, great. Yeah. Does that? Oh, oh, Dragula. Okay, cool. And then they got all hyped because he, he played Dragula. But yeah, the crowd was so confused. They were like, oh, we don't want to see this shit. But I was one of the 40%. I want to see it. Even with a captive audience, they were still confused. Exactly. And, and, I, and I understand why. But regardless, I want to see it. And that's fine. You can, you can see it. 
I will. We'll see. I'll I'll offer my opinion of it when when it's over. I will. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to revisit this. I will reserve my opinion, even though I've already shared my opinion. I'm I'm not looking forward to it. So that is <laughs> the history of the Munsters. There's more as far as you know uh, merchandise and whatnot goes, but. The biggest thing about that was you were the viewfinders, the things you put on your face, put the disc in it. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was one of those that came out with monsters in color and people were going, the set looked crazy. That was really the biggest thing about it. You know, Monster made mention that Fred Gwynn giving advice outside of the Herman Munster is like the like the iconic neighbor next to oh, you know, old man down the street, sage advice type stuff. Do you know who that would be for the new generation? Like Patrick Warburton. Like I could picture Patrick Warburton getting down, kneeling down next to some kid in his iconic voice, just throwing some sage advice. And if there's people out there who don't know what, who Patrick Warburton is, he played uh, Crunk off of Emperor's New Groove. The wheelchair guy in Family Guy. Yeah. And he also did, he also played in um, Rules, Rules of Engagement. Yeah, he's been in tons of stuff. He was on yeah. Seinfeld for like two seasons, and I thought I thought you were going to bring up the fact that Fred Gwynn is in Pet Cemetery, where he literally yeah. is the old man with great advice down the road. Like that's his yeah. whole. Well, they're buried down there in the Pet Cemetery. <laughs> he's he's fantastic in Pet Cemetery. He's great. I'm 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 closing the book on the monsters. I am because I do want to talk about I want to talk about something kind of serious. So. We bought Scrabble recently. My dog ate ate some of the, the tiles last night. We took her to the vet. There's no word yet. So speaking of people with iconic voices, thinking about like pirates, what do you call a pirate who pees on people? Arr, what? Kelly. And, and one more thing. Uh, this, just, you know, we're all dads here. If my daughter refuses to take a nap, is she resisting arrest? You're both giggling. You're both giggling. She is. She is resisting arrest. Well, Thank I you. only have one. That That is all I have. So I only have one dad joke for you. And it's not really even a dad joke. Well, it's a dad I joke. I wasn't, dad. I wasn't saying dad jokes. I was, I was giving you guys some life advice. Why? Why don't roosters wear underwear? Because they're peckers on their head. Hmm. No, get it. You said it. It's out there. Should they wear helmets or at least a, a nice firm ball cap? A <laughs> ball cap. <laughs> ah, ah, I see what probably, <laughs> I, I see what you probably did unintentionally there. <laughs> no, that was on purpose. I knew what yeah, I was no. doing. So, did you guys hear that they're not making twelve-inch rollers any longer? <laughs> God, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Why aren't they making 12-inch rulers anymore, Danger? <laughs> what? <laughs> this even, it's just, it's not even really a goodbye. It's just, uh, I, I gotta no. go. They're not making 12-inch anymore uh, because they're making them all 13 inches now. 13's a foot. It's a baker's foot. <laughs> a baker's foot. A baker's Thank foot. That. Oh, oh, that's going to be a new thing. Yeah. Oh, I all hate right, it. everybody. Thank you for sticking in this long. <laughs> Later. Bye, everyone. It's over. Done. Done.